What's up? What's happening? Welcome back to episode 71 of Skates at the Stakes. I'm your host, AJ DeVito, and today we have another big episode on tap. And we have a giveaway for you guys, the fans. So it's going to be a fun episode. Uh, I'm going to be very high, uh, high morale, high energy, even though the owners lost tonight, because the Pittsburgh Steelers are massive. Kenny franchise, Kenny Pickett. I love this man with all my heart. Oh, what a day to be a football fan. But boys, boys, how we doing? I know, the Islanders lost. I'm very excited. I know. Jacob, start off with you today. How you doing today, buddy? Yeah, it's been a pretty good day to be a football fan. I witnessed um, the Giants clinch their first playoff worth live since um, 2016. Pretty cool moment. Uh, I mean, Ryan's team won. Am I right, Ryan? Yeah, hey. I'm excited to be back on the pod today. Today we're going to break down the Columbus game, which was... Uh, Pretty lackluster W, and then tonight's cracking game, which was a snooze fest, sleepless in Seattle, many are saying, uh, but or more like sleepy in Seattle, because that was a snoozer, and ESPN is dreadful, but we'll get into that. Uh, the New England Football Patriots own the Miami Dolphins, uh, as they should, send them back down to where the Jets play at the bottom of the division, as we are now sitting pretty in a playoff spot as the uh, we go into the ultimate week of the NFL season, the final week. I wouldn't say pretty. I wouldn't say pretty. I'd say you're in a playoff spot. You got to beat the Bills. That's not easy. We've got pole position. Yeah, you have pole position, but you have to play the Bills. The Dolphins have to play the Jets with uh, Skylar Thompson. And the Steelers have to play the Rapist. So, I mean, I like our odds a lot right now. We were like 0.4% a few weeks ago. Fuck the Browns. We're at home. Oh, man. Sunday's going to be nuts. I cannot wait to be uh, texting with you boys. But to the Islanders, tonight was brutal. Uh, the Columbus game was brutal. But we won the Columbus game. It was a pretty tough watch, though. Let's be honest here. It wasn't pretty. I think we can all admit to that, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, I felt like we deserved more than we got in terms of goals. Like, we played pretty well for the first two periods and then kind of sagged off in the third. But just wasn't a fun hockey game. Uh, yeah. Jake, do you have that game up to break down? I do. Um, <clears throat> Thursday night at UBS Arena, um, the goaltending matchup was Elias Sorokin versus Eunice Corpusalo, who was returning from an injury. I think this is his first game back. Uh, quiet first period. Um, shots were 13-7 Islanders, but I missed the first period. I missed most of this game, and I missed today as well. Um, so my breakdowns I really have is the box score in itself. <clears throat> And in the second period, seven minutes in, uh, I believe Hudson Fashing went to the net. He shot it, uh, and the rebound went right to Peugeot. Um, so it was Sean Gabriel Pagelo's eighth of the year, assisted by Hudson Fashing and Zach Parise. And then on the power play with about three minutes off in the period, Matt Barzell uh, shot it, uh, I believe, from the point from Brock Nelson, and it was another point for Jean Gabriel Pagelo to make it 2 nothing. Yeah, in the second Shots again with 13-7 that period. We kind of controlled the third. Again, it was a very boring period. I will say Corpus Allo played really well. Um, with 20 seconds left with the with the man up because of the empty net. Neil Benstrom with his third, assisted by Bjork and Johnny Gaudreau. But that was it. Unfortunate that Elias Sorokin couldn't get the shutout, but he played fine regardless. Um, 20 saves. Corpus Allo had 34 saves on 36 shots. Um, shots that paid were 10-7. Overall, there were 36-21. Three stars were Barzell as the third star, Sorokin as the second star, 
in the first third was John Gibra Pajot with his two points. So, yeah, pretty boring game, obviously. I think we probably could have scored more, but Corsalo was playing very well. But, um, yeah, they swept Columbus, which is something they should be doing. They are the worst. Really, they're bottom three in hockey, maybe in bottom two. Um, so sweeping them was nice. Getting those two points was nice. Uh, it's a good way to finish the year. And then, obviously, we didn't start the year off well, but good way to finish off the year. As a wise man once said, Johnny Gaudreau, what happened? Yeah, the Blue Jackets absolutely suck shit. They are a very bad hockey team, and you have to take every point you can against them, and rightfully so, and that's what they did. Sorokin deserved a shutout. He hasn't really had a tough workload, thankfully, or else probably Corey would have been in any of these games. So it's been nice that we've been playing, you know, consistent, well, not headless chicken hockey for a change. Even with all the injuries that have been piling up, which we'll get into later, I want to mention that, because tonight was absolute mess but the Columbus game wasn't pretty got the points they did their job two points you know walk in walk out thank you very much for coming Ryan yeah I was totally satisfied with the game I mean we owned possession most of the night look pretty good good home win in front of UBS bit of a snoozer honestly just kind of low shots low goals Nothing really crazy happening, but just well-played performance. Bummer, Sorokin didn't get the shutout. Uh, great game from Pajo. Uh, he really stood out to me. I thought he was wonderful. Parker Witherspoon was also very good. Uh, Hudson Fashing was awesome. Hudson Fashing was absolutely unreal. Um, I, I guess the propaganda train, we could go into the state of the state of the Hudson Fashing River uh, once we get to tonight's game. But, yeah, he's he's been really great so far, and I appreciate having him on the team. Um, I know Jake, actually, after the Columbus game, talked to some Sabres bloggers online, and I actually went through and read some old scouting reports, and he seems to be what was promised. He looked good tonight as well, but we'll get into that in a bit. Yeah, just happy. You got to take points off Columbus. We dropped some points to Philly earlier in the season, but nice to know that we didn't lose any points to Columbus on the air. As we probably shouldn't have. If you're going to be a playoff team, you got to beat up on the bad teams. Now, we have to. We want to talk about the Seattle game or injuries because the injury bug is absolutely piling up now because Simon Holmstrom is day-to-day, which that's fine, but our pal Oliver Wallstrom is not day-to-day. I don't really know what happened still. I was at the game, so I didn't have the best view of it. What happened to Wallstrom? He's out indefinitely, they said. So he might yep, be done for so the year. Wallstrom, yeah, Wallstrom's out indefinitely. Basically what happens was he left his he left his skates to make a hit on, I believe it was Brian Dumoulin along the boards. Good hit, clean hit, nothing got called. And then P.O. Joseph came and threw a knee at Oliver Wallstrom's upper body. Um, and he's out indefinitely now. Real scumbag move. Joseph scored later, but the fucking loser lost anyway. Um, but yeah, he took Wally out for the year. Um, could be. I mean, it's indefinite, so we'll never know. Uh, Islanders are famously very cryptic with their injuries, which is very frustrating. But we haven't seen an indefinite injury in a while, and everyone else is labeled day-to-day. Where in Palmieri's case, it's been since the Coyotes game two and a half weeks now, so it's not necessarily day-to-day, but just the indefinite makes me think that might be a season-ender. Yeah. P.U. Joseph, by the way, uh, sucks. It's really unfortunate. But with all these injuries piling up, let's list them off now. We got Wallstrom indefinitely. Palmieri day-to-day. Pellick day-to-day. 
Clutterbuck is going to be back within this road trip. He was a game time decision tonight, I believe. Am I missing anyone? Is that it? Varlamov. Varley. Varley's also going to be back. He's He traveled with the team at the very least. So that's fine. Anyone else, Jake? Am I missing anyone? No, I don't think so. Um, I just think it is a little concerning if Adam Pellick, who hasn't even skated yet, has been day-to-day for the last month or so. I, out indefinitely. I, I mean... It's a concussion, so those yeah. we don't know. Well, no, 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 no. Lane said it wasn't. Oh, well, for Adam, I, I know for Walsham, Lane said it wasn't a concussion. It, it was lower body. Yeah, it was a lower. It, I, he did say it was lower body for Walsham. I was pretty sure for yeah. Pelic, it's obviously a concussion, and yeah. he just got married the other day. So good for him. He looked in good spirits. He looked fine, but you don't know what's going on up there. It's a picture, so we're just. Oh, and Simon, of course. My apologies. Simon's also hurt, but. Prayers out for Adam Pellick. Hopefully he's recovering and doing well. Hopefully he gets on the ice soon because we need him. Parker Wilderspoon has been good. It's just not Adam Pellick, which I think is very fair to say. And yeah, hopefully, I don't want to uh, be lame about the whole thing, but with Pellick, I do have the idea that maybe he didn't go on the road trip because he just had his wedding. Um, and like kind of the 24-hour turnaround to get out there. Um, but it seems like the guys who made the trip are definitive, so my, my high spirits are probably proven wrong there, and we're going to have to go through the next three with the guys on the roster. Uh, Palms also made the flight, and he could be back by the doubleheader. He could be back on um, Tuesday. We just, we just never know with these injuries. Okay, not to be a scumbag. This might sound bad. How is Adam Pellick getting married on New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, when they have a game on New Year's Day? I think, I don't know, it's very weird to me, you know? Yeah, so when a man and a woman want to join into a lawful union, um, they get married. That's how it happens? Okay. I don't know what a female is. No, I, I, don't, I don't really know the planning. It is weird timing because most hockey weddings are in the summer. Not even that, uh, it's more the fact that they had a game the next day in Seattle when they were, were already there. I mean, I'm very happy. Uh, good for Adam Pellick. Congrats on finding a woman. I will try to do that one day. But uh, <laughs> jokes aside, the timing's weird, and I don't know. Jake, do you have any hot takes on the Adam Pellick wedding? The wedding scandal. Um, Sorry. Oh, him and uh, Duke are happy. Duke is his dog, of course. What about his wife? It's kind of. A I don't know his wife's name. Kind of a scumbag move to not wish her happy wedding, you know. Yeah, I don't normally wish the dog a happy marriage, but hey, <laughs> you know. Right. You know. <laughs> I said I hope they and Duke are happy. I, I'm all parties involved. All right, so we'll move on to the Seattle game now. Jacob, could you please break down this absolute barn burner of a hockey game that the New York Islanders played tonight? Yeah, and um. Before we get into Seattle, I know there was um, a change in the lineup today. Casey Zegas was moved to the first line center position, and Matt Barzell was on the wing. Um, again, like I said, I didn't watch this game, so I don't know how it looked, but I do know Casey got an assist. Barzell got the one goal, but uh, very interesting that Matt Barzell uh, played on the wing today. Is that a precursor for something? <laughs> Bo Horvat? <laughs> Excuse me, I think I'm coming down with something. It might be a Bo Horvat-itis. Finally, Barzal's <laughs> on the wing here. If we're playing Casey Zeke is on the first line, before we even get to, into the full game, 
We have Casey Sezikis playing the fir- as a first liner. That should never happen in the world. I love Casey Sezikis. Islander, great. Islander, legend in a sense. You know, he should. He's not a first line player. He's not a second line player. He's a third. He's a great third liner. He's an incredible fourth liner, and I think that's fair to I mean, say. He cannot be on the first line. And he's not even the worst on that line. No offense. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a fair point, Jake. I, I actually do like that take. I, I have no real qualm with Sezikis playing up in the lineup. Ideally, for me, I would have put Brock there. Um, do like a Barzal. I, like, I'm ha- I'm very happy Barzal got to play the wing at least once this season. He's being paid like a center, but like let's just experiment, see how it looks. Because like, let's say that the trade we wind up landing on is another center. Reason <coughs> <coughs> <using> the joke, <coughs> but Horvat. Uh, but yeah, no, like it, it'd be cool, like just to be able to see how Barzal looks and give it a test run. Sazikas doesn't play a very similar game to Horvat, but um, you know, I, I thought they worked very well on the first goal tonight. Uh, we'll get into it more when we go into the game, but you know, it just leaves that fourth line so barren with all the injuries. Like if it was Martin, uh, two and Cal, I'd be okay with it, but it it was just real nasty stuff with that fourth line, but we'll get into it. It was a weird lineup and I thought Varley just started. looks like he wasn't ready to go. So was a little off, but yeah, that, that's kind of my thoughts on tonight's lineup. I get it. I understand that Bailey is worse than Casey Sezikis at this point, but like, doesn't make it any better. Still, I've you know how we all feel about Bailey on the first line. He works with Barzal, sure, but he's just not a first line hockey player. And kind of end end discussion there. I don't know. I like Casey a lot, but having him on the first line, it it's not the end of the world. It just it sucks because of all the injuries that we're dealing with right now, and that we have to play Ross Johnston. I feel so bad for Aturatu. He's playing with two literal plugs out there right now. I, you know what, Marge could be an acceptable hockey player at times, but not next to not next to Ross Johnston. That is a horror show, a clown show, and just absolutely disgusting. With all due respect, what does he even do? Um, I know it's a meme, but it's true. I mean, there's no point of him being on a National Hockey League roster, especially this one, anymore. Um, Meme is funny, but watching him is not. I assure you. Yeah, he's a he's a war criminal, and we'll get to how we hope the lineup uh, allegedly allegedly a war criminal. Uh, but we'll get into how we think the lineup should look going forward after we break down the cracking game. But Jake, do you want to get into the the snoozer on ESPN tonight? Yeah, Climate uh, uh, Pledge Arena on ESPN. Um, the Islanders are so good on ESPN. So good. And uh, Leah Hexall had the call. I'm not going to air out my opinions of Leah Hexall. Um, I feel like it's pretty known. Um, but anyways, <laughs> goaltending matchup was Martin Jones and Ilya Sorokin. First period, nine minutes in. Uh, Adam Morrison with his fourth of the year. That was assisted by Ryan Donato and Daniel Sprung. And then with 2.30 left, Matt Barzell got his ninth. Really nice goal. Um Assisted by Casey Zegas and Josh Bailey for Matt Barzell's 100th of his career, also in his 400th NHL game. And he was in Seattle for it, which is where he played juniors, which is a cool moment. Um, shots that period were 12-6 Seattle. Second period, three minutes in. Of course, Eli Tolvanen uh, got his third of the year. Uh, everyone made the fucking complaint that, oh, we passed on him. 
It doesn't matter. Um, but we all know he was scoring. He got his third assist by Vince Dunn and J- um, Jared McCann. I almost said James McCann. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's copping. Yeah. Great Oriole. <laughs> Ten minutes later, Oliver Bjorkstrand with only his fifth of the year. I thought he had more than that. Uh, but nonetheless, his fifth of the year assisted by Yanni Gore and Jimmy Alexiak. So it was 3-1 at the end of the second. Shots were 15-6, Seattle. And then third period, a quiet period. There was a clock malfunction um, around the six-minute mark. He fixed it. Didn't change much. Brand Tanev um, with his seventh. It was an empty hour, but also assisted by Yanni Gordon and Stum. Shots were 8-7 Seattle that period. Your stars were Bjorkstrand, Tolvanen, and Larson. Sorokin, 31 saves and 34 shots. Uh, Martin Jones didn't have to do much. He got 18 saves on 19 shots and the win. Um, yeah, didn't watch this one. Doesn't seem like I missed a lot. It seemed like I missed a really, really bad game. Um, yeah, I'm sure Ryan has his thoughts as he was the only one who watched the game out of all of us. Yeah, I'll, I'll go through first. I know AJ normally takes the cadence on this one, but he was, uh, you know, in the in the dog zone in the in the fight for a playoff spot. So I'll I'll take the first stab at this one. So first off, I want to get to the broadcast. I know Jake isn't going to dunk on Leah Hextall, and I support women in sports. Uh, <laughs> well known. Um, I'm not going to, you know, say which one was her and which one was Ray Ferraro because I think they were both terrible tonight because Ray Ferraro kills me in the NHL like commentary that he did for years. I think he still does it, but just absolutely brutal stuff from him too. So he had a bench like meeting with Lane Lambert and Lane gave token coach talk, like really easy, like one-offs and just like, yeah, I got to play harder and stuff. And then Ray Ferrero, oh, I said it wasn't going to name but uh, the person speaking to Lane Lambert decided to say, thanks, Mike, which killed me. Like, ooh, who's Mike? Uh, you, you said his name was Lane and now you're calling him Mike. Like you're at work. Be, be, be focused. Give us a good product here. Um, but yeah, so that was really frustrating. Um, aside from that, yeah, they called the puck a ball a couple times. It was just really like berating stuff. Like they didn't know anything about the team, really frustrating, wasn't having fun watching. And it was just like, what, what am I even doing here? Watching this very unfun broadcast. I can't wait for Butchie and Brendan to be back as soon as possible, but it's unbelievable how much better that TBS broadcast is than the than the uh, ESPN one, because ESPN, I feel like they have no idea what they're doing right now. Awesome. Uh, bathtub Jake tweeted us. I don't know if this is true, but apparently he she called Ross Johnson a journeyman and that he is playing his fourth NHL game, which is just... I mean, yeah, she nice. kept mixing up Ratu and Ross. Oh, that meant, well, Ratu's not a journeyman, but... Yeah, she called. She mixed up their both their names and their backstories. She kind of combined them into one person. Um, I said something dumb about Clutterbuck last year too. I remember. Yeah, I, I don't want to get on her too much because, like, again, I think she's improving and getting better. But tonight wasn't the best. Um, I disagree heavily. With all due respect, women in sports is great. I like Emily Kaplan. I think what she does is great for the game. Leah Hextall is unbearable to listen to, and I had her on mute the entire night. Go Steelers. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, uh, smart people did. I just I wanted to be on TikTok and stuff or on Twitter watching the game. So I, I kept it on in case there was a goal. And there were no uh, no positive goals, which we'll get into the game now. Um, yeah, Kraken started off hot. This team, when they get pressed hard, they make a lot of mistakes still, especially on the road. They made, It felt like the Coyotes game redux. Remember how the Coyotes just 
kind of brought fire to us for 60 straight minutes. That's how the Kraken felt tonight. They were skiing free. They were feeling the home energy. Really weird stadium experience, too, I want to get into. So the goal horn went off randomly in the second period. The end of the game horn went off with six minutes left. Um, and then the goal horn went off again with two minutes left. So it was a really weird game to try to get into. It, it just really felt like kind of surreal out there. Um, weird vibes. Team didn't have much energy. The first line showed up. Uh, Barzal got a really nice goal off a really nice Azekis assist, probably his prettiest pass as an Islander state. Uh, so that was cool. Bailey was useless a lot of the time. So that was frustrating. Second line just was invisible. Bo, I guess he only works like he's been really good lately, but I guess he's only been really good at home. So that was frustrating, as well as the third line. Hudson on the third line looked good at times, but it wasn't really getting shots on net. Like we were playing Grubauer tonight. Um, probably should have let him up with goals or shots more because he's a bad goalie. So that was frustrating. Um, fourth line was just anemic. Ratu really couldn't do anything because Ross was literally running into his teammates. It was really hard to watch. Uh, he has to be scratched. I think Lane understands that. Ross only wound up with like five minutes of ice time tonight. And this was kind of emergency Ross time. But needs to be over. Cal needs to come back next game. Or we need to pull in Palmieri or make a call up because that can't happen again. Power play look got awful. Defense wasn't great. The Parker Witherspoon... Uh, like our legacy tour has kind of come to an end all of a sudden where he just looked fine. Pulak looked fine. Romanov looked fine. Mayfield looked outright bad. Uh, Dobson wasn't doing much offensively. And I think that covers everyone. I think Rami was okay. Oh, Aho was really bad. He took a penalty and he also like messed up a couple plays. So it was really frustrating. Um, Aho was straight up bad tonight. I think if you're going to make that out there, kind of Parker Witherspoon case that some dude was making on Twitter the other night, that Romanov should go down instead of uh, Parker or Witherspoon. I think Aho would probably be the guy to fill in there because, you know, for everything he gives offensively, he could just have a shitter and just have a really bad game like tonight and you can't have that in the playoffs. Um, or do we just have to beef up left-handed D in general because I don't know how much you can rely on Parker Witherspoon. Um, aside from that, Sorokin was shaky at times. I think he could have really used a day off here. Corey was about to come in. Sorokin took a shot up high. Seemed like he got the wind knocked out of him. He played through. Kraken looked really good. Tolvin and scored because, of course, we didn't get him on waivers. Bjorkstrand scored, couldn't get him on uh, the trade block. So that was like, you know, if it fed that uh, kind of certain brand of Islander fan who was like begging for an acquisition that would have taken anyone and really wanted those two guys. So props to you for knowing Puck there, but it, it's just kind of whatever. We live with it. We're on to Vancouver. I'm, I'm not beat up. We just had three game, one streak. So that that's kind of my takes on the game. AJ, what did you think tonight? Uh, that Kenny Pickett is a franchise quarterback and the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to the Super Bowl. Jokes aside from that, yes, I know I didn't watch closely, but I saw the Barzal goal. That was nice. Good play by Casey Stone on the first liner. It was a bad game. That's all I heard. Bad game. Sad game. Power play sucks. Ironically, Oliver Bjorkstrand scores. Ironically, L.A. Tolvanen scores. Ironically, Sonny Milano's chopping and smiling somewhere and we still have Ross Johnston. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't want these guys as fourth liners. None of them should be in a fourth line role. For the New York Islanders at least. But it's just funny that we have to have a emergency Ross Johnston because that shouldn't exist. I'd rather have the emergency Nikita Sashnikov as much as I gave him crap. Ross Johnston should have been shot out of a cannon off Long Island years ago. But he's still here. It's like the uh the road that just doesn't go away, you know? I don't regret it. 
he has the best job in the world, a million dollars to do absolutely nothing, and there's no consequences to his performance ever. Ever. I don't want to shit on Ross the entire game. It's not his fault we lost. The team sucked tonight, allegedly. I didn't watch. But all I know is that Ross Johnson is not helping this team win alongside Matt Martin. And just prayers out to Aturatu. Man's getting no help out there. And they're making him look worse than a rookie should be looking right now. I would assume if I watched the game. Jake, or whoever watched, Jake or Ryan, how did Atu look alongside the two best wingers for him on the team? Yeah, bad. Um, I, I want to correct myself. Martin Jones played tonight, not Grubauer, but still a bad goalie that we should have put shots on. Um, but yeah, no, uh, you know, Ratu should have. He didn't play well. He didn't excel. Nothing really special happened with him out on the ice. Um, don't think you can really pull him out of the lineup at this point, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it might be time for Bridgeport again for him to just kind of let him develop some more. Yeah. I think that has to be the move, obviously. He was never going to stay up long-term unless he scored a hat-trick every game. Once everyone's back, I really hope Hudson Fashing stays in the lineup. That's going to get iffy and touchy, though, but I think Walsham is out long-term. They need a move. They need an offensive reinforcement still at the end of the day. I do like Barzal and Fashing. Uh, it's funny how that works out, but Josh Bailey, we got to see what's, what he's going to do if he's going to be here and an everyday player still. There's a lot of unknown, and that's kind of the theme of this episode, the unknown with the injury the injury bug, the Adam Pellick uh, wedding scandal, and, you know, the unknown of the future. Yeah, I mean, we go on to Vancouver next. Everyone knows our big trade targets are in Vancouver. Uh, we we can get into trade stuff for a little bit here because I, I think that kind of puts the dagger in the Seattle game. Next up, we got Vancouver. Um, well, we could go into the kind of team comp stuff first, but we got Vancouver. We got Edmonton and Calgary, which Edmonton and Calgary are going to be a back-to-back. So first line, would you like – the way I envision it right now is we go Hudson, Barzal, Bailey, and see how that looks. Um, what do you think, AJ? Yeah, I, yeah, I guess. I, no matter what, it's going to be ugly, man. And Barzal has to carry the line. We were talking about this off-air, I believe, uh, comparing Barzal to Tavares a little bit. Or maybe it was me and someone else. I really don't remember. My brain is through the roof right now with a uh, durable mind. But the thing with Tavares is he was able to make guys better. Matthew Barzal does not if that is a fair statement. Tavares is able to make Matt Molson, Kyle Oposo, all these guys better players around him. Brad Boys, P.A. Parento. Barzal doesn't have that ability yet, and we don't know if he will ever have that ability that Tavares had, and Tavares was an incredible hockey player for us. No one could deny that as much as we hate him and we boo him and we slaughter him. He was incredible, and what he did for the team for every year he was here was above and beyond. Barzal is an incredible hockey player in his own right, but he doesn't have that moxie that Tavares did about him, where he could just, you know, carry guys and bring guys through the mud. Or else Leo Komarov might have been a better player. Not saying 
Leo with Tavares would have been much better, but you get what I'm trying to reach at here. Maybe I'm reaching a bit too much. I don't know how you feel about that. I just don't think Barzal does enough to make players around him better compared to other guys around the league, and he has the ability, he has the skating, and today he finally drove the net, and it worked. Drive the net, look at Jack Hughes. How many times do I have to say it? Yes, I get it. I'm just a hockey fan. I'm an idiot. Just drive the net more. Stop stopping towards the blue line and passing it off to the defense, and drive the net, score some goals, and he's been three goals in his last five games. Yeah, um, so I think part, like the difference there was 91 was a top five player in the league, or at least center. Uh, Barzal's not that, which is fine. It's just of all the other centers in that next, like kind of number six to number 20 range, all have better weapons around them. Um, Barzal's not a miracle worker. You know, he's not going to give Josh Bailey the best year of his career in his age 33 or 34 or whatever season. Um, him and Hudson have some good chemistry, but it's, it's all about kind of finding a complementary piece to bring Barzal to the next level. Like, he does the best he can with what he has. You'd like him to be better sometimes. Um, you'd like him to give a more complete effort, which I think he did tonight in the first period. And he's been doing a lot lately. He's been scoring goals, which is awesome. Uh, he knows Casey. They have some chemistry, so that was cool to finally see them get to play together a little bit. But, like, you know, he's not a miracle worker. I, I would kind of go against that Komarov thing. Like, there's, you know, four or five players in the league who could make Komarov look really good. It's just kind of about, you know, being stuck with the guys he's been stuck with. And I think at this point, it's it's time to reward Maddie. Like, a lot of people are saying tonight, 400 games to get 100 goals is crazy. But that's because, like, he's never had a legitimate second, like, elite option on his line, and that really makes him the focal point of the line every time he's out there. The defense focuses on him because they're not worried about the Josh Baileys or not crazy worried about the Jordan Eberleys and certainly not worried about the Leo Komarov. So that, that's kind of my take on it. Well, we thought Wallstrom could be that guy. Wallstrom's hurt right now, but he's also been on a slow, slow pace this season thus far. So... When you, when you look at it under a microscope, yeah, Barzal is at 91, but, like, I don't think if you put Sebastian Ajo on our first line, I don't think he would be turning, like, you know, Josh Bailey into some kind of, like, athlete, like absolute weapon or something. Yep, uh, so now we kind of go on to our road ahead. Uh, we talked about a little bit. Vancouver's next. Uh, Atirati might be on this road trip for a reason. We might uh, do a drop-off trade in Vancouver, which would be very Lula Morello, and I'd much appreciate that. So I think that would be funny if that happens. I love Ratu. I don't like seeing him on the block. But uh, the time for a trade is now. We need goals in the lineup. Uh, we need someone to cover for the injury bug, even if it's kind of a smaller move. But it'll be interesting. I think Lou's probably – Lou might even be on the trip to kind of have some negotiations in Vancouver. I pray to God he's doing his job and not just taking a long holiday. He's definitely taking a long holiday. We know that, right, folks? Uh, but, yeah, so kind of to run through the names, I want to get AJ and Jake's feedback on the following players. Um, starting off with the Mac Daddy, the trade deadline target. The, uh, the $8 million man himself, which I, I think he's going to come out being, Bo Horvat, uh, number one or number two center for the Vancouver Canucks. How are we feeling about Bo Horvat right now? Yeah, I think Bo Horvat should be the guy we get. Obviously, we put bars on the wing today, so that's kind of bringing me to that conclusion of, oh, maybe we will get a center, and maybe Bo Horvat's a guy. When we make a trade for a guy, it's usually the second premium guy on the market or the premium guy. I know when we got Paul Murray, he was second best to Taylor Hall, I'd say. And then I think Pajot was the premium guy on the market, as, you know, crazy that sounds now. I don't remember too many guys on the 2020, 
2019 trade deadline that was better than Pajot at that time, who was incredible for the Senators that year as well. But I think we might get Horvat. I think he's the guy, and I wouldn't overpay, but if we could pay a sturdy price and hopefully get a contract extension in there before anything's accepted. I'd rather not have to, you know, worry about him resigning in the offseason. Wasn't there, like, a rumor that we were going to get Kreider? Uh, yeah, I heard that rumor. I think it was uh, pretty fake news, though, if I do say so myself. Um, yeah, so uh, on Horvat, just before we move on to the next kind of couple players on the list, Horvat's the big fish. Uh, Jake, what would you give up for Bo Horvat right now? Um, I mean, I would obviously give up a pick or two, one of them being the first-round pick, maybe another mid-round pick. Uh, I would give up Robin Sallow and maybe... I know we talked about it last episode. I, I, I wouldn't mind giving up Oliver Wallstrom instead of Alturata. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I would rather trade Wallstrom at this point, but Ratu's so raw that he probably has higher trade value and we're not going to want to part with something. I, I believe Salo is on Salo's with the team right now, so maybe they're both on their way to Vancouver to be traded. Who knows? Uh, his last performance from Salo was so bad he deserved to be on the ferry. Uh, but I believe he's with the team right now as the seventh defenseman for the road trip. So, yeah, I, I, that trade makes a lot of sense for me. Um, AJ, what would you give up for uh, Bo Horvat to come home this week in Islander? First, Raw 2 slash Walsham, probably Raw 2, though. Second, and Salo. Uh, I would really like that contract to be signed, sealed, and delivered, and not in lose uh, cabinet again, personally. But... I think that's a fair package for him. You're getting a first-round pick, obviously. You're getting Atu Ratu, who I'd say is in between a first-round pick and a second-round pick in trade value. I know if we're doing the whole fake NHL trade meter, I think he'd be around that part. Second-round pick, very valuable pick. And then Salo's kind of the uh, mystery wild card throw-in. And it's like, he's not worthless, but he's not worth much, you know? But he still is like, it, it's a sweetener. The sweetener. Yeah, my I, I agree with you there. Uh, my my trade kind of mirrors both of yours. Uh, first round pick, you really fight hard to get that top ten protected. If if they don't let it, maybe top five, maybe unprotected, just to move the needle. Um, you kind of have the perspective where if we're out of it again at the trade deadline, um, we wouldn't take that on. But you know, it's it's an interesting player. There's a couple of other destinations he could go to. I'd like to just kind of lock it in now and add uh, the best name on the market now, kind of Taylor Hall esque when he went to Arizona. Um, so that that's kind of my idea with the move. On to the next player, we're going to go into Brock Besser. So let's say Brock Besser is available for like a third round pick, uh, but this would basically destroy our budget for the trade deadline. Uh, we would be down to four million at the trade deadline if we acquired Besser tomorrow. No, we'd be down to two million. No, four million. I was right. Uh, we'd be down to around four million at the trade deadline if we acquired Besser. But let's say we take a flyer on him. Let's say it's like a third and Salo gets it done. Would you sign up for that tomorrow? Jake, I'll let you go first here. Well, what did you say the package was? Sallow and what? A third. Let's just call it Sallow and a third. It could be Sallow and a second or something. I'd absolutely, I'd absolutely do that. Because I, as, as much as it like sucks to say, I don't think Sallow has much of a future with this team, this current team at that. And the third, that, that's 
that's decent value back. So I, I would absolutely do that for Brock Besser. Um, I know he's been playing better the past few weeks, um, and I know he would do uh, great things for New York Islanders. So I think Salem third's not bad at all. I would totally do that. Yep, AJ, what about you? I don't know. I don't know. I know I was a big Brock Besser guy. Swallow uh, your pride. A short 36 hours ago. We might have to look into the other guy. We might have to look into JT Miller at this point. Because uh, Brock Besser is a question mark still in my books. Uh, great, Could be a great player, but he has a lot to overcome. That injury still is very concerning to me because he hasn't really been the same player since. Where you get a locker room cancer guy. I know I literally made this argument like literally two sleeps ago. I think J- I'd rather have JT Miller than Brock Besser. I don't like the JT Miller contract, but I really don't like the Brock Besser contract either. What's Besser at two years, six million? Sure. Yep, six point seven. Six point seven. I really don't like that for a guy that we don't know is going to be legit. I think you were a hundred percent right about JT Miller and that he is a very good hockey player. Yes, does he have his uh, personality issues? Don't we all? If he can score goals, who gives a fuck? I think JT Miller could be the move over Brock Besser. I know the contract sucks and it's for ever for another like seven years after, but I think I'd rather have JT Miller than Brock Besser, and I've seen the light. All right, let me cook here. Um, it's, it's very dangerous and difficult being correct 100% of the time. So I'll just throw that out there. It's a blessing and a curse. You guys, you know it, you hate it. It's just I'm always right at the end of the day. But uh, that being said, yeah, I'd be okay with Besser. I still see a lot of talent in him, but it, it would be kind of difficult to just – because if we're getting Brock Besser, we're calling it the trade deadline. Um, and he is a guy that you would need to work with Barzal, and if it doesn't work with Barzal, I don't really know where else on the team we would slot him. Um, and I think ideally your first line would be something like Palmieri, Barzal, Besser, which or Lee, which, you know – just not really pretty. I think he can skate with Barzal, but he's also very inconsistent. So we could just be adding a more expensive version of Bo, which, um, you know, a lot of people shit on Bo, but that would kind of be, you know, two, two devils in the lineup who could uh, screw us over on any given night. But yeah, I'm, I'm on JT Miller trade. We'll get into Miller now. So big viral video went around on the weekend. Colin Delia was hanging around his net when 90 seconds left. Miller started banging his stick on the back of the necks and get off the ice. Um, I think it was the appropriate thing to do, even if he wasn't like, you know, the kindest teammate about it. He had to tell him to get off the ice. He was probably really frustrated because apparently he was there for like 60 seconds um, since the coach started calling him off. But yeah, JT Miller uh, started the season off really badly. He has bad defensive metrics, locked in for eight years at $8 million. But we are the New York Islanders, and unfortunately, we do not get guys through free agency. Um, ignore this when we get to our free agent previews and everything in the summer, and we're going to get hyped up about everyone, and we're going to get disappointed again. But it's basically like we go out and we pre-sign our biggest acquisition of the summer, you know, like that. that it would kind of be like you could put it in a vacuum and be like, wow, we just gave up. We could call it anything. It could literally be it could be Beauvillier and uh, fourth and we could get JT Miller right now. Apparently he's free. So like I, I take that for free. He's a point per game player. He started the season off slow. So he's been on a ripper recently. He's a good 
two-way player when he's on the wing. He's a bad center. We're not going to need him as a center. Our ideal lineup then kind of becomes Miller plays a lot of left wing, so you let Palmieri play his default position, which is the right. Or you could do, you can honestly do a million things. He could play both wings. He could take center face-offs for Barzal. Everything opens up so much more if you add him to the lineup. It's a big cap commitment. It's basically guaranteeing that we'll have to ship out Paggio in the summer. Um, or we'll have to ship out some cap. It'll make signing Mayfield again difficult. But, you know, if we don't do this trade for JT Miller, I think we are kind of in danger of missing out on Bezer, missing out on Tarasenko. Missing out on, I'd just throw a name out there, Dylan Larkin, like some kind of big name guy. Missing out on all those guys. And then we hit the summer and Lou is kind of sitting around day one of free agency, locked in on signing David Posternock. And then we miss out on that. And then we're like, what? We're, we're kind of right back where we started from, doing the Islanders free agent game of depression again. So I think we just kind of sign up for the eight-year contract now. Lock into the roster, see how it goes the rest of the season. If we're bad at the deadline, we're not giving up a first-round pick in the scenario. We can do the Varley and Mayfield moves if we're bad at the deadline. It just seems like the perfect hedge. Um, I feel like he's a good fit with Barzal. I'm pretty sure they're both Western Canadian boys. So see how it works. I, I think it would be a good fit. I would be surprised if we do pick him up this road trip. I think we're going to put Ratu in a really good role to make him look good for the Canucks, uh, who will definitely have the odds of the game. But... Goes. Uh, Jake, do you have any JT Miller takes? Yeah, obviously things have come up in the past. It's not just this Colin Dewey situation of um, JT Miller possibly being a bad teammate. Um, I know he did in um, New York. I, uh, I saw some tweet about that the other day. Um, obviously, tremendous player. Not a great contract, but um, he would bring something great to Long Island. Skill-wise, but I don't know. I'm hesitant because of the contract and because of these issues that potentially could stem up with us. I know Lou's like a, like a culture guy, and I don't think bringing on a potential bad teammate is something that would be in his interest. Not doubting he like he's a tremendous hockey player. Nobody's doubting that, but I don't think that Lou would want to bring those issues potentially in, in that locker room because we all know Lou loves the locker room. Yeah, that, that's kind of, it makes sense because he is, you know, Lou's going to have to do a character evaluation and pick what's right for the team. Famously, we haven't brought in any bad people. I don't think JT Miller is a bad person. I think if he's bad in the Canucks locker room, I think that might be a more of an indictment on the Canucks than him. I heard he wasn't a good fit in New York. Um, a podcast I listened to called Roxy Fever. Check it out if you aren't. Uh, good Canucks podcast. I'm very tapped into the Canucks, as I've said before. I listen to two different Canucks podcasts because I'm a sicko for that shit, and I love the jerseys on the ice, and I love the conspiracy theories about the riot in the 2011 finals. So shoot me for that. But uh, those are two things I'm really into, and I really love the Canucks. They're probably my favorite yeah, Canadian hockey team. Uh, but the thing to say there would be, you know, that podcast did say that Rick Nash had issues with him in New York. And I don't know if that, you know, says a lot about him. He was, like, young in his early 20s at the time, or if it says a lot about Rick Nash or those early Rangers teams with AV. Uh, maybe Hank was just a bad hang in the room. Who knows? Uh, but, yeah, no, JT Miller has some baggage from the character side of things. But, like, 
aside from like maybe some bad politics, like he's not a bad person. He hasn't done anything bad. Like we've seen guys like Evander Kane get traded and Patrick Kane's going to get traded at this deadline and big media shitstorms are going to come out from that. This is just going to be like people being like, really? They took on the JT Miller contract? Why would they do that? But we need points in the lineup and he's bringing a point per game and he could be free. Like it seems like an absolute win. AJ, do you have any final thoughts before we move on to the two other Canucks? Uh, just to ruin your uh, victory lap, I'm just going to say Brandon Hagel. If you know, you know. But, yeah, get JT Mill. I don't care. He scores goals. I like guys who can score goals. That sounds like a good add to me. Counterpoint to Brandon Hagel, it's still a ridiculous overplay. And if he was good, they would have won the cup last year. I mean, no. It's Colorado. It's cake. He missed so many sitters. It, it was real, like, Lotaro Martinez stuff. Well, redemption season. He's like a point per game now. They at least could have went to seven. And then my aunt had balls. She'd be my uncle. Okay. All right. Well. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, reasonable points. Um, yeah, next up, uh, kind of we'll go over the last two. I, I want to just get AJ's take on this guy at this point. He had a lot of stock in him. I wonder where that stock is. Uh, AJ, how do you feel about the guard dog, Connor Garland himself at this point? Similar contract situation to uh, Brock Besser where we'd be getting like $4 million a year for the next three years for pretty much like a middle six guy. I've been very pro Connor Garland for the last two years. We need JT Miller, Bo Horvat, end of discussion. None of this um middleweight stuff. We need the heavyweight. We need the big hitter. There's no it's either we're all in or we're not in. You can't you can't half ass it. So no. Yeah, it might only take a small package for the little man himself. He he's listed as five ten, but he's definitely like my height. Uh five nine, five eight. So, like, yeah, it depends on the day. But, yeah, Connor Garland kind of fell off a bit. I hope he gets it back in Vancouver because I like the player. But I think it's a non-option. Here's one interesting one, because uh, Manko, so he was a KHL guy. Um, I, his first name's escaping me right now. Um, let me just pull it up. I think it's Andre Kuzmenko. Yeah, Andre Kuzmenko with the Canucks. It's been absolutely lights out as a shooter this year, 15 goals. Uh, first year in the NHL, he's a little bit of an older KHL guy, came over at 26. There was a bit of free agency sweepstakes that no one covered in the summer, which was weird. But Vancouver was always the front runner. He went to the Canucks. His deal expires at the end of the year. He's going to be a UFA. Uh, what do you think about just kind of looking into that and seeing how much it would cost to get him? I'll go with Jake first there. I'll go with AJ first there. No, I'm just kidding with you. I'm just kidding with you. Uh, <laughs> but Kuzmenko, it's kind of he's better than Garland, better than better than Besser at this point. I would still say no heavy hitter mentality. Get the big dog or get no one. Um, here's one idea I have that I do think is interesting, and I've gone over this with our friend on Twitter, Felzy Facts. Um, so basically the kind of negative impact of Miller on a trade where he could be had for free or they might even have to give up an asset to get out of that contract at this point could hurt the Horvat value. So would you be interested in giving up something crazy like two first-round picks for Horvat and Miller? Um, Would it just be... No, first-round picks, I, I'd rather... 
would I rather do two first round picks or would I rather do a first and like Roth two and another piece? Because I know Miller is maybe a negative asset at this point. I know we'll, that's kind of a that's up in debate. I know you and Phil were talking about that, and I don't disagree. We don't really know what these guys' values are, but I don't disagree with the idea. I don't think I would do two first round picks straight up because that's a lot of futures, and we haven't had a first round pick since. Simon really was it? Was our last person to pick Simon Holmstrom? I think it was. That's right. Twenty nineteen. You can't go from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty four without a first round pick. We've hit on guys like Dufour. We've hit on guys like Maggio. We've hit on guys like Odelius. We got Ratu. We've been gifted with a lot of good scouting and we've a lot of draft luck. I think giving up two future first round picks when you don't know how good your team's going to be next year is a little bit iffy, especially when you have to fit Miller's contract and then Horvat's contract into the books. Because then teams are going to be grasping at any part of you to take on Josh Bailey's contract to get an Atu Ratu or an Oliver Walsham because you don't have the first-round picks to give up anymore. The price guard of JVR at the offseason was a first-round pick, and Philly didn't do that. So if Philly didn't do that to sign Johnny Gaudreau, what are they going to do to a team that needs to free cap and has no other way around it besides maybe buying out Anders Lee, which they're never going to do because he's a captain? It's very well, tough. Probably be what? It would probably be JGP on the way out. Does his contract work buyout proof wise or no? I don't know. We how would buyout... probably buy out Bailey and then we'd have to trade Pajot for kind of spare parts. Think like the the Borkstrand trade. Yeah, I get that. Uh, I think Bjork. I don't even know how much we'd get. I love Pajot. I don't know how much value he has. Obviously, I know fans don't value him as much as he probably should be, but um, yeah, that's fair. I just don't understand. I don't. I get buyouts how they work, but I know for every contract it's different. So I don't know those off the top of my head. So I don't want to comment on them too much further because I do not know them. Bailey's is very simple. Bailey is basically if we buy him out after this season, for the next two years we have a two million dollar cap hit instead of having a six or a yeah six million dollar cap hit for one year. Fair. Fair. I would do that, and he will be gone by the end of the season. Maybe Lou forces him to retire as well. You know Lou and his uh little games he plays, but I would do it. I don't think two first-round picks I would do. I think I would rather give up more value than two first-round picks, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so just confidence-wise... Anything getting done this weekend, give me a percentage out of 100. It's, it's going to be low, but that something happens on our trip to Vancouver. I think there will be more action in my trip to Dallas than in Lou's trip to Vancouver. So I'll Ayo. say a solid 10%. I don't even think 10, like maybe 5. I'll call it 15. I'm going to be checking my phone constantly the next two days in case something happens and get a little excited. But it, it'll be nice just... Um, I'll, I'll have my scouts there and see if Lou Lamorello's in uh, Vancouver just to see if he's making those negotiations because we came so close. Like, Friedman Friedman doesn't report stuff unless it's solid. We said, oh, the Islanders and Canucks are about to make a trade. So there's something in, like, place. It's just making sure the deal gets done at this point. But we'll see. I mean, we probably were going to give up our 13th overall for Miller and now to get him for free and get the Rom Dog. Pretty freaking sweet. I don't, I don't know. I think that rocks. Um, 
But yeah, I guess that's enough for trade talk. Tarasenko came to me in a dream the other night. I, I had a dream where I woke up to the Anthony Gross and Stefan Rosner Twitter notifications. I was a little hungover. Uh, but I, I had the dream that I woke up to them and I had a group chat on uh, Twitter blowing up about it. And then I woke up to the unfortunate reality that, hey, we're still running out uh, Josh Bailey on our first line. So uh, in my dream, it was just like a second round pick. And I think it was due for, for Tarasenko. Would you do that? Uh, second round pick and do four for Tarasenko. Yeah, you probably have to do that. Uh, Tarasenko's obviously older. I think he's 32, but he's also really good at hockey. His contract that would be coming up is concerning. I don't think he would get overpaid that much, but I don't know. I think I would do it, even if it has a rental. You're really not giving up much there. Uh, love do four. Billy Doof says we like to call him, but I still think you probably do that. Yep. In my dream, the contract was... Uh... Three years by seven million. That was what my dream. Seven point two five. It was very particular, uh, but yeah. So uh, again, any of these guys we're mentioning that aren't Garland, uh, Besser, or probably Kuzmenko. We he's still you know uh, the mystery box. Like it could be a boat. It could just be a coupon. Uh, but yeah, any of those guys uh, between Horvat, Miller, and uh, Tarasenko have the potential to be one of the most skilled players we've seen on the island in our lifetime. So. Please, Lou, get to work this week. Get something in place because this team's going to die or they're in danger of wilting away if you wait till March, in my opinion. Yep, so on our podcast Twitter account, we were looking to give away some tickets. Um, so we kind of ran into two sets of tickets, and we thought one set we could use on giving away. Um, so the tickets to the games are going to be against the Dallas Stars on Tuesday uh, January 10th. This would have been perfect because me and AJ are both really big uh, fans of the Dallas Stars, but uh, AJ's going to actually be in Dallas and just miss out on that game. I think he's returning soon after. Um, and then we got the Montreal Canadiens, which I believe that game is on Saturday 21st. Correct, AJ? Yes, that is Saturday the 21st, and I will hopefully be in attendance for that game. So we're going to give away either set of tickets to the winner. Whoever wins it, they could pick. And we might have another giveaway for the other set. We'll see how that ends up going about. But thank you guys for all the support we've received recently. I think we'll kick it off right away. Let me uh, boot up the giveaway website, Twitter Picker. And let's put it in. So we have it all set up. All I have to do is hit one click on the button. Button, excuse me. Uh, I feel like Sam Rosen right now. But the winner is, and it's Matt. Matt Esposito, M. Esposito 47, congrats on winning uh, the tickets, and we'll be in touch with you. So, congrats again. Uh, you know, we like doing these giveaways. We like giving back to our fans who treat us very kindly. For now. <laughs> we'll get some hate eventually. But we love you guys, and we really do appreciate everything that you do for us. Yeah, thanks everyone. Really appreciate it. Um, awesome that we're able to interact and you know, get the love from you guys that we get. So we're happy to give some love back here. Um, but yeah, I think that kind of brings our pod to a close. AJ, you want to plug some socials? Yeah. So we're going to have to figure out how we're doing the next episode. Cause I will be getting a little vacation in Dallas. So I'm excited for that. I'm going to be driving in literally three hours editing this podcast. going to be a long drive, but I'm excited to get a little uh, break from good old Long Island, get down to Dallas, see what's going on around there. Get 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 a good week eighteen of the NFL season next week. We're gonna record an episode though, hopefully. Uh, but.
But you can find me on Twitter at Davido Hockey. You can find Jake on Twitter at Prime Jakey. You can find Ryan on Twitter at Rat Martin. And you can follow the pod's Instagram and Twitter at Skates and Stakes Pod. Or Skates at Skates and Stakes, I believe. Excuse me. But thank you guys for all the support once again. We really do appreciate it. And have a good one. Let's go, Islanders. It's one game. There's no reason to freak out and act like it's the end of the world. We'll bounce back just fine. Have a good night, everybody. Or day, whenever you live it. 3, 2, 1. Whenever you're listening to this.